0: In Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: The purpose of the law is to sentence us to death. The purpose of the law is to show or to teach you that you are on death row and you need pardon. If you understand so far, say amen. That's the purpose of the law. Destroyer, killer, thorny, thorns. That's the purpose of the law. Now, Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 says this. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. This word tutor is very important for you to understand. The word tutor in the Greek language is pedagogos. Pedagogos. We've talked about this in the past. It literally means what? Schoolmaster or school teacher. Now, the law, the intention of the law was not to teach us that we can look at the law and say, well, I do this. I do this. I do this. I do that. And thus, I am righteous. That was not the intention of the law. The intention of the law was that it would be a tutor, a pedagogos a schoolmaster, to teach us that we are a mess and we are in need of a Messiah. That's the purpose of the law. The law was not intended to take away your sins. The law was intended to identify and make you see that you have a problem. And the problem is you are a sinner. Yeah, I said the S word. You know, people don't want to say, I'm wrong, I'm a sinner. People don't want to admit that. The Bible is very, very clear. And the purpose of the law is to point out the fact that you are wrong, that you are a sinner in need of a savior. That's the point of the law. It's not to take away your sins. Just like a thermometer, listen, doesn't make your fever go away. It only lets you know you have one. Is that right? Okay. Just make sure I'm on the right track here. All right. Just like a speed limit sign doesn't stop you from driving faster. Although for some of y'all, it should. <laughs> but, but it really doesn't. I mean, it just lets you know that if you go faster than the posted sign that you are breaking the law. You are sinning, just like a mirror. If you take a mirror and hold it up to your face and you see these big chocolate chip smudges on your face, you don't take the mirror and start going, do you? No. The mirror simply identifies that there's dirt on your face and you need to get something else to cleanse it. You need to get it off of your face some other way, but it doesn't take away the smudge. The purpose of the law was to let man know his condition and his need for something else to take away our sins. The big theological word for that is atonement. Atonement. You can think of atonement like at-one-ment. Atonement brings us into oneness or unity with God. It makes us at one with God. And the purpose of the law was to say to you, you're not one with God. You're separate from God. And you need something to cleanse you. You need forgiveness. That's the purpose. Now, don't misunderstand me. You and don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. You don't want to forget about the law either. I mean, we don't want to forget about the law because I think a lot of times because we Christians are under grace, we kind of have this mentality of, well, forget the law. The law is not even important anymore. Well, listen, hold on, partner. It's not that the law is not important. It's that the law doesn't have power over your life. It's not that the law is not important. Jesus did not come to obliterate the law. Jesus did not come to get rid of the law. I heard a Bible teacher just the other day say Jesus came to just get rid of the law. Well, not exactly. And that's certainly not what he said. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, Don't think that I've come to destroy the law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill them. And not one jot or tittle will pass away until the law is fulfilled. There is a difference between fulfillment and destruction. There is a difference. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. You see, the law had an end. And the end of the law is Christ. And it's the end of the condemnation of the law. But there's still an obligation to the law. And you're probably thinking, what is he saying? It's the end of the condemnation of the law but it isn't the end of the obligation. And what I mean by that, and when you come back next week, we'll talk a whole lot more about it in chapter 20, the commandments of God, we're still an obligation on our part to keep those commandments. In other words, don't murder folks, still applies today. (laughs) Is that right? Don't don't make graven images is still applicable today. We're to have no other gods before God is still applicable today in the Christian life. So we still have this obligation to the law, but we are not under the condemnation of the law. We are not condemned by the law because the law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. When he went to the cross, his blood paid for our sins and brought to fulfillment of the law. So now all we have to do is put our faith and our trust in him, receive him as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And we are born again and no longer are we condemned because that judgment and condemnation, if you will, has been placed on Christ when he went to the cross. That's a mouthful. You understand? It's very important that you understand this because I think we get a wrong mentality. Oh, we ain't got nothing to do with the law. We're Christians. We're under grace, not the law. Well, that's true. But let's be very, very careful and let's be respectful and let's be true to God's word and let's understand God's word. Very, very important. So we're not condemned by the law. Now, now let me just share something with you. That's pretty shocking. This will probably shock you. Listen, there are two ways to get to heaven. Two ways to get to heaven. I think some of y'all know where I'm going. Two ways. Number one, here's a way that you can try to get to heaven. You can try to keep the law and you can try to be perfect. There's your word for the day. Perfect. You have to be perfect if you're going to go to heaven trying to keep the law. You have to fulfill the law in its entirety. And if you break one point of the law, if you've ever, ever even in your heart had an idol, then the Bible says you've broken the law. Therefore, no one's perfect. But if you want to get to heaven, you can try to be perfect and try to keep the law and do all the law, or you can get to heaven by standing in the grace that God gives. That's the second way. A righteousness that sets you free from the law. You see, Sinai, as I told you, means thorny, because when you understand the law and you realize you can't keep it and you realize you're a lawbreaker, you know what it does? It pricks your heart. It's thorny. It convicts you. It pricks your heart. And you realize that you're not perfect and you need a savior. The law is thorny. Two ways to get to heaven. You can be perfect, which no one is perfect. The Pharisees had that problem. They read the law and they felt like, well, I never really killed anybody. And Jesus says, hey, you, you, ever, you ever in your heart? Well, I never covered a man's wife. I never lusted him at my, with my eyes. And, when, you know, Jesus says, hey, have you done it in your heart? Have you done it in your heart? Well, see, the, the, the heart of the law is what Jesus was trying to get to. Trying to keep it. You'd have to keep the law perfectly in order to be saved and go to heaven, and no one can. Again, we'll talk more about that the next time in chapter 20. But I want you to look at verse 3 through 6 in your Bibles. We gotta move on. So we have the people. You want to notice in verse 3 through 6, we have the people they're camped out at the bottom of Mount Sinai. And before, listen close, before God gives them the requirements of the law to them he shares a reminder of what he has done for them. Before he gives them the requirements of a law and he gives those requirements to them, he reminds them of what he has done for them. Look at verse three. Oh, maybe we'll read a little bit further than it. Oh, three through six. Look at verse three. And Moses went up to God in verse three, and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, And tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how, note this, saints, would you underline and highlight in your Bible and read it with me. And how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, God says, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments or keep my covenant, then you shall be, underline this, a special treasure. Some of your Bibles say a peculiar treasure. You'll be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Moses, notice in verse three, it says, Moses went up to God As we get through this chapter, you're going to notice this recurring thing. Moses goes up to God, comes down from God, goes up to God, comes down from God, goes up, down, up, down, the mountain of Sinai. Remember I told you 3,750 stone steps. He goes up, comes down, goes up, comes down. Now, mind you, Moses is about 80 years old right now. So this is a serious cardio workout, I mean, he's going up and down, up and down, up and down. Moses, he had to be in incredible shape for an 80-year-old man. I mean, God is like, you know, Moses, come up. He goes up there. God says, okay, now go down. Come up. Come back up. Go down. I'd be like, God, can't can we get a cell phone or something? I mean, can't we do something? You can invent something. You're God. This is ridiculous he goes up and he comes down. You'll see that over and over. So Moses went up in unto God and God called him from the mountain and said, this is what you need to say to the house of Jacob and Israel. Remember what I did to the Egyptians and how I destroyed them and how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. I see two things here, saints. Number one, the deliverance, the deliverance I bore you on eagles' wings. Secondly, the fellowship. I brought you to myself. In other words, God didn't deliver, listen, watch this, God did not deliver Israel so they could do their own thing. Amen? God didn't deliver them so they could come and do their own thing. God delivered Israel so that they would come to him and be his people. Just like God does not deliver us so we can do our own thing. God delivers you. God saves you so that you could be his special people. That you could be his peculiar people. Peter talks about that word peculiar means unique. It doesn't mean like we think peculiar. Like. You are awfully peculiar. You're strange, dude. You're strange. It means special. It means unique. It means there's only one like you. Unique, peculiar, special people. And God delivers us, saves us from the world, which is Egypt. He saves us so that we can come to Him and that we can be His people. He doesn't save us so we can just be nice people and then someday when we die, we can go to heaven. God doesn't save us for that reason, He saves you for a purpose. He saves you for a purpose so that you can do something for him and make a difference for the kingdom and that you can be his people and use by him for his glory. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for your life. And if you're not doing that, you must be awfully miserable. You must be awfully bored. Remember I told you, I said, the Christian life is the most exciting thing I've ever experienced. Can I get a witness (laughs) that I've ever experienced? It's exciting. It's more exciting, much as I love the Harvest Crusade, it's more exciting than that. Because that's for three nights, man, and and praise God there's going to be fruit from that. But but this Christian thing is every day, all day. I've been excited for 24 years. (laughs) I can't even calm down. Sometimes I can't sleep. And you know, you have times, and you have, amen, Christians, you have times. But it's exciting to be a Christian. That's because God delivered you for a reason and a purpose to save you and to use your life, the deliverance, and then the fellowship. Now, I want you to pay particular attention. Notice in verse 4 again, because you can see it, this whole picture, and it's very picturesque things. Listen, I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. I want you to see it because you'll see it over and over in the scriptures, and it's such a beautiful statement. Isn't that the most beautiful statement, one of the most beautiful statements in the Bible? I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. That is so beautiful that there are numbers of books written on this one statement. Whole books are written on I bore you on eagle's wings. And brought you to myself. Whole books are written. You can find it in the Bible over and over again. Perhaps you'd like to read it in your own time. We don't have time tonight, but it's in Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two, verse nine. And you read that in your own time. But it's so many beautiful, many, many books written. Uh, one, one in particular you might be interested in is called uh, "Ego Christian." Perhaps you heard of it. Eagle Christian, and and here's the idea. Listen, I want you to listen because I spent a good part of the day reading about eagles. It's kind of odd, but um, kind of peculiar. But uh, I just kind of got into it and got into it and got into it, and before you know, I was just like soaring on the subject. So I just, uh, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't even know where that came from, man. I'm sorry. But but notice this here. I want, in the book, uh, Eagle Christian, I want you to listen. Uh, the, the idea of it is um, how a mother eagle would nurture and train her eaglets. And it talks about when the mother eagle uh, would build her nest, she would build it in the side of a cliff and gather sticks. And these sticks would have really sharp Points that were pointing in to the nest area. And then the mama eagle, every day she would go out and she would get breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the eagles, for little eaglets. And the eaglets live there in comfort and they begin to grow until mama eagle begins to stir up the nest and suddenly the nest becomes uncomfortable. And Mama Eagle doesn't want the little eaglets to live in the nest for the rest of their life. And so she stirs up the nest, causing the little eaglet to fall out. And so it can fly. And, and then someone calls Child Protective Services for <laughs> eaglet abuse. And the eaglets fall, get this, hundreds of feet And they look like they're going to crash down and then suddenly get this Mama Eagle swoops in, swoops down and catches him and bears him up on her wings and then back to the nest. And then later Mama Eagle becomes guilty of eaglet abuse again because she kicks the eagle out of the nest again. And there's all kinds of stories. That's just one. There's all kinds of stories on this verse. Here on verse four, here's one guy who says that the mama eagle builds the nest out of thorns and then lines the nest with rabbit fur. And then suddenly she pulls out the rabbit fur and they get their feet stuck with these pointy ends. And then they finally leave because their feet are, you know, getting hurt. And then one guy says, that if Mama Eagle, if the Mama Eagle, um, if she couldn't find any food, that she would pluck on herself until she finally begins to bleed, and then the blood drops into the little eaglet's mouth to, to feed the eaglet, and then they make a picture of Christ. And, you know, there's a book called um, Preaching Types and Metaphors by Keach. And 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 all of these things. I mean, this verse. I mean, my point is that this verse is so beautiful that many many people spend a lot of time reading it, studying it, and even writing books about it. You know, I found out it's very interesting that eagles. Um, they really are very interesting. And this is what I, I found out. The truth is concerning the eagle flying and swooping down and things. I think the truth is this. There's books written about it, but but here's what I think is true. And in, in my research, um, the mama eagle. Get this doesn't actually catch or carry the eaglet. When the eaglet is kicked out of the nest, she actually comes under them, bears them up, and then the eaglet can flap its wings and they begin to fly and they begin to soar together. And the eagle builds their their nest, get this, where there's an updraft on the side of a mountain, And as the sun comes up, there's heat and there's this updraft and they can just kind of step out into the air and put out their wings and begin to soar. And then the baby eagle does what the mama eagle is doing as they're soaring together. And they go back every year. Get this. Eagles. This is very, very interesting. Eagles have in their eyes what is known as pectins, pectins. And these pectins are like um, compasses. Where they are, they're they're almost like these little tracking devices. So when an eagle leaves its nest, an eagle can, and they will, come back to their nest that they made in the side of the cliff. They will come back to it every year and continue to build the nest. And these pectins give them that ability to kind of track where they began to build their nest and people have found nests that are as as high as twenty feet because they come back every single year and they be, get, continue to build on their nest and and, and eagles with their eyes they can um, they can see up to one mile away that 's amazing to me that'd be like somebody opening a newspaper and one mile away you could see that newspaper eagles that's why they can swoon down swoop down on their prey so quickly and easily and and because they see it they're they're like flying over a mile away and they see dinner and they see you know a mouse or a rat or a rabbit or some kind of rodent from very far away and they're flying and just soaring over and they're thinking man they probably thinking about that rodent they're thinking yeah he thinks he's slick Doesn't he He think he gonna get away from me, but he's not. And he just swoops down on him. Eagles are very, very interesting. Here's another interesting thing about eagles. Check this out. Eagles have one mate for their whole life and they have a marriage ceremony. Go. Did y'all know that? I I didn't until today. I mean, that's kind of interesting. Now, listen to this. When a female eagle is being courted by a male, she will take a weight something very heavy, and then she'll drop it and he has to swoop down and catch it. And if he catches it, then she'll go down and get something else. And then she'll fly even lower to the ground and then she'll get something else and fly even lower and drop it and lower and drop it. And if he's able to catch it each time, he is accepted by her. And then they soar together up thousands of feet in the air and then the male will come down on her back and right before he hits her, she kind of flips over on her back and they lock together and they just start screaming. <laughs> Wasn't that good? They just, I mean, they just start screaming as they're falling down and they're like, ah! They just start screaming and they're spinning and they've locked their wings and they're kind of spinning around and they're screaming and I'm thinking that must be their marriage vows. I mean, they're just kind of, they're screaming.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.